sharing with me, Tawny, and her mom, Marielle. Welcome to your new safe space where there's no such thing as TMI. Hello, welcome to episode 27 of Oversharing. <laughs> Number 27? 27. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, we're... Li- I don't know what it? time it is where you're at. <laughs> wait we're, a minute. Well, we're late. Which, wait, where am I? Oh, yeah, it's where is 11 it? a.m. <laughs> where we're at. Yeah, this is going to be like an in-time... Like, as soon as we're done, we're releasing it, so everything we're saying is fresh. Yeah, you can see our week caught up with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little behind. And you know what is crazy? I realized with everyone, you know, all the kids going back to school and stuff like that and summer's ending, I realized that 20 years ago, around this time, I was getting ready for my freshman year of high school. Wow. So anyone who graduated in 2006, like I did... 20 years ago, (laughs) you were about to be a freshman. Yeah. How wild is that? That's crazy. I can't believe I'm old enough to be able to say, well, 20 years ago when I was in my (laughs) teens, what the fuck is that about? (laughs) Welcome to your 30s. Oh, man. I'm already, I'm almost halfway through them. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, Do you remember high school at all? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. I remember some things. I feel like it's a I remember a couple of names. I don't remember any teachers. I don't remember any classes. Uh, I remember detention. You didn't have any teachers that, like, really... That you never, like, had bonded with? Is that weird? Am I the only one that has, like, teachers that I really attached to and bonded with? Let me just explain to you. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? I'm not sure that we've ever discussed this before. Uh Uh-huh. But in my freshman year of high school... I smoked it away. I got arrested. I knew you got arrested. Yeah. For for stealing a car. Right. Yeah. I don't remember anything from my freshman year. That's funny. Mm, Not that funny. (laughs) (laughs) My freshman year is kind of blurry. I'm so thankful my cousin Courtney went to the same high school I did. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had a buffer. But she was a grade above me. Right. You know. But... It definitely helped me feel more comfortable. I was such a weirdo. I don't know. And I, <laughs> and we moved a lot. We were very unstable. That, I don't think that you realize that that's the image that you have of yourself. Because you, even at your by the middle of your freshman year, you already had so many friends. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't feel that way. No, I feel like my mostly my freshman year, I hung out with Courtney... I don't know. I feel like my senior year, I have more memories of my senior year, but it was also a very traumatic year. Yes. Like, all of my big milestones and funnest things, like going down the shore with my cousins, you know, for prom and senior week, and then all our mountain trips. Like, that was all my senior year and the years after. So that stuff's, like, really in the forefront, but it was also loaded with so much trauma. Yeah. You know, one of my close childhood friends when we were seniors in high school lost her brother and it was just devastating like it was just this this weird thing when you're 17 and death is already so weird and it was a slow crawl you know I mean you were one of his nurses yeah and it was awful you know and 
trying to balance all of that and also trying to figure out how to be a good friend, but also being 17. So I was a selfish asshole. And I've mentioned before, I got myself mixed up in a little bit of a love triangle. So I was doing that, you know, and I was also applying to colleges, about to graduate. You and I weren't in a good place because my brother was really struggling and he was living with my dad, which already had us in a bad mental space, you know, and then he had already started getting himself in trouble. So financially we were, you know what I mean? Like and I worked night work. You seven worked P night work. Yeah. And you and were still drained in. Me. And I, I might've been working uh, a second job at the time too. I think you were also a waitressing. Yes. Yeah. But you were still in nursing. So it's a different kind of stress too. Yeah. Yeah. But high school is just. And 12 hour shifts kicked my ass. High school is such a weird thing because when you're there, when you in it, when you're in it, it feels like the most important, right? Like that's what the world is like and whatever you're like in high school is going to be your tag and that's going to follow you through the rest of your life. You know, if if you were nerdy, whatever that means, or if you were athletic, if you were mean, whatever, whatever you found that worked for you. Right. But in reality, I mean, I still am in touch with some people from high school, you know, more in close ways than others, but none of it matters. Like, I think it's cool to see when I see the ones who haven't changed, (laughs) that's what I find weird. Right. Like the ones who do (laughs) still kind of identify with that same vibe they had 20 years ago. That's crazy. And it's funny that you bring it up because, you know, you, you watch shows and stuff and, and you know, from your own life, how much importance people put on what you're doing right after high school or in your senior year. And then you look back 20 years later and you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it, it is and you feel oh, it's just the weight of the world. Mm. <laughs> They're just kids, I know. Yeah. High school is crazy, but 20 years ago I was a freshman. 20 years ago. Wow. wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, last we'd spoken, well not the last we you and I spoke it, but our last episode, we mentioned that we were going to watch the Kendrick Johnson documentary. Yes. That shit was fucked up. So. Not only was what happened to Kendrick Johnson fucked up, but of course they can't do the documentary without highlighting so many of the injustices that have been committed against the black community when it comes to these types of things. And... You did the note-taking, girl. I did. I did do the note-taking, and I believe that I suck at (laughs) note-taking, but since you you just mentioned... um, I'm sorry, I I lost the train. train. Let's just go back to... Pull the train back into the station. (laughs) Yeah. It it was such a hard documentary to watch. It really was. Um, It it, it drained me completely. Yeah. Um... It opened my eyes to so much I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine there's so much more I don't know about. Which is what we talked about right after. We're like, if this all happened and we had no idea, what else do we really not know about? Um, I can tell you, I remember this story from when it aired. Okay. I did not keep up with it, which is why I did not know that it's never been solved and how much corruption was involved. 
I had no is idea. involved. Is involved. Because it's still, it's still open, not right? a closed, it's still not a solved case. So I'm just going to jump back and say that Kendrick Johnson was born October 10th, 1995. Mm. And on January 10th, 2013, he was 17 years old. And he got up and went to high school, Lowndes High School um, in Georgia. You know, just like he did every other fucking day of his life. Yeah. Um, he came in contact with a couple of people, um, and they're called the Bell Boys. They're Brandon and Brian. And now we're going to go back to January 10th, 2013. Um, Kendrick didn't come home from school. Mom noticed that immediately, which leads me to believe that... Kendrick had a scheduled time of his day and his parents were aware of where he was at all times. Right. They could not, you know, report him missing. They tried to call the school to say, you know what I mean? Like they're just, no one had seen Kendrick. He was an athlete, right? He was a basketball player. Okay, yes. Yeah. So Kendrick was a basketball player. So it's not uncommon for him to be in the gym. Right. Um, next day, Kendrick still is nowhere to be found parents go to the school well they would already contacted them the night of too right i'm not positive and i don't want to say anything on fact because i told you that i I feel like took some weird some bad note taking i remember them saying that you know of course they got some pushback which is always interesting to me when you when a teenager goes missing and the response is oh they run away teenagers do that sometimes like that is so unsettling Mm -hmm. For me, especially because people know their kids, you know, and wouldn't you rather have, you know, wouldn't you have rather given in to, quote unquote, a hysterical mother and her been wrong? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, what are you really doing? Right. You know, what are you doing? (laughs) And I have to say, um, you know, from watching the documentary, they weren't hysterical. No, not at all. You know, and and it was both parents, but unfortunately, the father was out of town on a job I believe he was a truck driver it was jarring because I remember the moment when they were both they they said separately mom and dad I knew my I know my son is dead like they they just they felt it they said I know my son is dead it's just a matter of where he is and how this happened yeah so I do know I do not believe the night before that there was contact between the school and the parents there may have been contact with the police okay but I do believe it was not until the next day when Mrs. Johnson got to the school is when she found out that her son was in the fucking gym dead. And this is a fully active school. Kids are walking down the hallway. As the crime scene is happening. Yeah. yeah being unfolded. And that they is what... Send people oh, home. no, no. Like, so weird. Oh, yeah. So then, and they also, they also say she doesn't get to see him. She does not get to see him that morning. They wrap that body up, tell her, looks like an accident. He must have fell into a gym mat which is the that was rolled shit. up, which is six feet, over six feet high. Well, they said he, he climbed in to get a sneaker. And fell downward. Yeah. Fell, now, this is a six foot something um, young man, an athlete, 
And I'm not going to say that he was a big guy, but he was bigger than the circumference of the circle that you somebody forced him in. into. Yeah. They also said that there, it looked like an accident. There was nothing. No, no assault had taken place. Yeah, it looks like, yeah. And they, and they wheeled his body out. Dad's in New York, I believe, or something. He's nowhere near and he can't get home on time. Mom, Which is devastating in itself. Mom has no advocate there with her. Mom has no one helping her make decisions against everybody in the school where this place, in my opinion, should have been shut the fuck down. This is a crime scene. Yeah. And then when I mentioned the bellboys, okay, their father is an FBI agent, Mm. Rick Bell. Okay. Immediately, Mr. Bell starts going around and talking to witnesses. All right. Hushing everybody up. Okay. So they never really find out what's going on. They do the autopsy. They say, "Mm, looks like an accident. Maybe he was suffocated. You know, he suffocated after he fell down there. Right. Um, I do remember them having a pathologist on there that discussed the fact that the way the lungs were showed this, this, teen did not die of suffocation because you would be able to tell that based on the lungs he was dead before Before he was placed there yeah and they also stated the way the mat was rolled so tight there's no way he could have slipped down there and they said he was going for a shoe and there is a shoe near him but there's also blood beneath the shoe but no blood on the shoe but there's a two pairs of shoes now laying at the top of his feet at what they would say would be the top of where he entered into the mat. Somebody placed the shoes on the top of his socked feet. Yeah. Okay. Weird. It just, it, it's absolutely impossible, right? It is impossible. So then the parents work with, um, I know I wrote this down. The parents got their own autopsy done they brought in an independent yeah they brought in somebody independent and his name was William Anderson and I don't even know if the listeners are ready for this yeah I was gonna say if you choose to watch this documentary if you haven't yet be prepared because it is very graphic they show you the photos of Kendrick's body and it is a rough watch it's horrific but I'm getting ready to disclose um, something triggering, something disgusting. And I, I've been sick since I saw this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when William Anderson did this autopsy, he found that Kendrick was stuffed with newspaper. Um, newspaper is not the product uh, chosen if you're going to fill an empty body with something. Um, So one, fail right there. Two, all of Kendrick's organs were missing. And if you have not seen pictures of what Carolyn Bryant's husband, because I don't know his name, and his friend did to Emmett Till. Go and look at it. Oh, it's 
go and look at what they did to this boy. And you're going to see how he was beaten so badly and lynched, right? I'm not positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is what they're stating. And that's exactly what the picture showed Kendrick Johnson's face looked like. Even though they had claimed there had been no assault. Absolutely. There was clearly assault. Absolutely. You don't have to have experience with swelling or dead bodies. You don't have to understand or know anything about anything medical to look at these pictures and know that this person And these pictures still show the redness of where, like, blood could be when they took these pictures. You know what I mean? In, In Kendrick's face. It is just such a severe cover up and in 2016 now the bellboys had also claimed that they hadn't had any interaction absolutely. with Kendrick Johnson on the day of his death mm-hmm. but there are videos there security are. footage from inside the school that show the boys not only saw each other but they clearly interacted in so the hallway is, outside of the gym there is a FBI agent and I should have wrote his name down I told you I suck at this but there is an FBI agent that was sent specifically to work on this case okay. and do an investigation for the FBI. So later, when this documentary is coming out and Jason Pollock is doing his investigation, he comes across a video showing that one of the bellboys was standing to the right, no, to the left and maybe about three to four feet behind Kendrick Johnson at the same exact moment on the day that he went missing and never came home from school. And this FBI agent was dumbfounded and infuriated that he feels like he was set up to go. He said, they hit this from me. Yes. And he's devastated about this. And if that can happen all the way up to the FBI, and Rick, by the way, Rick was let go of his job. I wonder why. Okay. But it feels like they're just telling these parents, oh, so sorry. There's just not enough evidence to... To find anybody, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's enough evidence to show us that what you're, what the claim is didn't fucking happen. Right, lies. And that should be enough. Lies. It, it's all lies. lies. And the justice it's cover up. system it's sucks. It's racist. It's, it's so fucking racist. Oh, it's all so frustrating. Um, but I definitely recommend the documentary. You can find it on Stars, which... We were able to do a free trial, so yeah, <laughs> which we did through Amazon Prime. So if you do want to check it out, but like we said, it's, it's very graphic, it's very disturbing. Um, they touch on the Emmett Till murder, and they touch on a few things in history that I really did not know about. But I think it's important for people who truly aren't sure what kind of things are going on in the world to just take a look at it. Yeah, you know, give it a try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to slide into tunnel vision, for sure. Yeah. But that's why you gotta, I don't know. <laughs> Just be prepared for what you're going to see in here. Absolutely. Um, but it's worth, it's worth the watch. It's very well put together. 
his family was so transparent and you know gracious with the way they told their story they were just willing to open up and I can't imagine you know I just the bravery all of it is yes I mm -mm. and it's just terrible (laughs) absolutely I we talk all the time you know just the amount of kids that go missing in general is so crazy to me is that was that is that like your top was that your top parent fear always always and one of our moves from a smaller inner city you know where you can you know you walk out row homes basically you know where is where we had lived when (laughs) we went on vacation when you were about four years old Mm -hmm. you know what I mean um, so we left in June. You were four years old. We went to Florida. We spent some time. I, right, I know yeah. you remember it um, and your brother, whatever. And we came back. Quite a few le- weeks later, we stayed with my mom. And your dad had purchased a house. Yes, I remember. Mm-hmm. Up in what is, you know, the Northeast, which had it to be... It was up and coming at the time. Had to be better than in Port Richmond where we were, yeah. you know. Um, he also, he made the Port Richmond house unlivable. He did. He took the kitchen out. And then purchased the house. So he pretty much forced you into always, the Northeast. Yeah. Always. That was always, there was always something going on. But our home was on the corner. Um, it, our home was very accessible and it was on an emergency backup route. It was on an emergency backup route, which this route actually was a dirt road. Back in the day. Back in it's the day. It's also the same road that the main the Philadelphia prison is on. Like, it's like... Yours, right, and you, the road that this was on, if you made, if you drove down maybe a hundred and feet, a hundred feet, and made a right, you would have access to northbound and southbound of I-95. Right. So that is why that yellow line in the driveway, in the driveway meant you cannot cross yeah, that. Yeah, my dad spray painted and that a was, line on That wasn't driveway. even at the sh- at the end of the driveway. No, that was, was a halfway a, point of the driveway. It was above where the boat <laughs> was parked. Yeah, like someone would literally have to come up in our driveway to get you. Well, dad, <laughs> dad had it set up so like the way the, the floodlights were was right there at that yellow line. So... Right. At night, if right. you cross the yellow line uh, from the, either side, it would turn all the lights on yep. around the outside of the house. Right, so, right. I mean, it was smart. It makes sense. You know, that's the thing is that a sneaky person like that mm-hmm. knows how to protect themselves better because they can think from of sneaky all the people. sneaky-ass shit mm-hmm. that other people would do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think like a criminal, so... So, I don't think like a criminal either, <laughs> but I remember him pulling up there, and the first thing when we were driving up, I thought, we're so close to... 95 and I had the call what the fuck Maria I was gotta worry about I do have to worry about that kind yeah. of stuff you know what I mean because that that had happened that that has that has happened and as a mother I knew that there were mothers out there who have lost their children and that's how the amber alert came about yeah you know what I mean um and then I remember I don't know if I've ever told the story and if I have sorry but <laughs> it's <laughs> We get to the back door now. So we get to the back door. I'm coming home from vacation. And he's trying to show me our new home. Right. Okay. And it's nice and big. It it's a big. rancher. It had a side closed in yard. It had, you know. And a, we're 15, 20 minutes north. North you of know? where we were. Where right? we were. Which and is... we're closer to the mall. Yeah. And, 
you know, just things it like that. It was like that. the area you wanted to move to exactly, at the time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, we were on um, the river. And it was like, it was like double. So it was a twin rancher. So we had an immediate, um, we were attached to another, another family house. And then there was a, a space for their steps and then another yeah. twin. So our, but we all shared that back driveway, but everybody had to pass our drive, driveway to get to the ticket in. So we were at the back door, which when you open that door, that leads you into the laundry room, which then into a garage. As he opens the screen door and puts the key in it, he says, oh, I wanted to show you our new home, but you have to ask me before you invite every, anybody over. Ugh. I think he said before you invite your family over, and that's when I looked at him and I said, then this isn't my home. Right. And right there I knew this is the beginning of the end. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Here goes the road. That, that is, I don't even know how I went off on this fucking tangent. With the state roadhouse, you were just afraid <laughs> that somebody was going to take your children. Yeah. Nobody wanted your kids. <laughs> well, I, you're right. You're As right. one of your children, I can guarantee nobody. And I is thought to us. myself a lot of but that times, is really and scary. I think that this is what I used to ease my mind was, if someone took my kids, they would bring them oh, back. Oh God, yeah. You know, and I and I joke and say that, but I would hope that you guys would just fight and scream loud enough for someone to get your attention i've had to think about these things you know as a nanny i'm responsible for other people's children so i've gone down all these weird roads right i'm like what would i do if someone broke into the home what would i do if there was a tornado what would i do if i'm at the mall and someone pulls a gun like you have to think about all of these things and that's why i all of my like admiration goes out to teachers because the most the most i've ever been responsible for at one time you know, outside of kids in my family is, is three, you know, yeah. three at a time. And that's, that's a lot, but that's not 20, Nope. you know, and, and it's just crazy. It's one of the things that, what a fear, you know, and, and the, that moment when you're out in public and you can't see them for a second and everything in your body, just like your heart falls out your asshole and you just heat up. Do you know what I mean? It, oh, it's so scary. <laughs> it's so I dressed my scary. son in neon colors. I, I, used, I used that same technique. <laughs> I tell people that when I had my boys, so like my second family that I nannied for a long term, the boys were 15 months apart. And, but all the time, I would dress them a similar and in bright ass colors. Cause I'm like, this way I know I only have to look for red or I only, you know what I mean? They're both in similar shit. And also I heard one time, I've told you this, but I want to tell everybody else if you're ever at like an amusement park or you know a very big venue and your child is missing always look for the shoes always know what shoes your child is wearing and that be one of the things that you can identify because if someone does grab your child god fucking forbid it's very easy to throw any size clothing on a child. It's not weird to see a child in a baggy t-shirt. But right. it's really hard to predict the shoe size. And of the a fact kid. that we have phones now, I mean, I think it's just important before you go into such an environment where there's so many people. You know what I mean? Like it is just just being aware of everything your child's yeah. wearing. You know, the barrette, the you know, but the shoes are so important. It's so important. Because you they can't come with the perfect size shoe. No, how could you you can't guess basically that's right. the one thing you can't really guess basically. And on I'm that not age. even in, in, and are they always looking I mean some are looking for only boys or only I girls. Really, but I, don't want to get I, I I I know, but <laughs> it, it, it is important and I've I've never experienced it. You were lost in a Sears once, I believe. But I was on Dad's watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
but the problem, well, I think you could have been found sooner, but you're, obviously, you know, your name is Tawny. It is. And there were people, I don't understand why, but there were people <laughs> who couldn't just say the name Tawny. They would go Twani or yeah. Tanya. Tanya. <laughs> and I don't, it, t- I don't understand. You know, and, you know what's so funny about having an an having an unique name mm-hmm. people will when you tell them your name they will react to you like you're wrong <laughs> they'll be like oh did you mean tammy i'm like no bitch i meant tawny like yeah, i know exactly. my name and then people classically always it is is tawny your real name or is that a nickname and i'm like what like am i tawny colored <laughs> like a, right a nickname for what could it be right. short for right i so, always find that so interesting and that is what happened they were calling me by the wrong name, so they, I wasn't they responding. They weren't pronouncing it correctly. You weren't responding. I believe that you were inside, like, one of those circle clothes stands. Yeah, like, inside the clothes rack. Uh, you probably you probably got overwhelmed and decided that you needed your own little I space. Some time, yeah. Got inside of there and just <laughs> waited, and people were calling the wrong name. So you were like, not my business. <laughs> I don't you know, know who they're looking for. And, you know, when he came home... You know, I it was a long evening, and and he told me what happened, and I'm like, oh my god, like you hadn't called me. He said, I said, what would you have done if you hadn't found her? He said, I wouldn't have come back. <laughs> I'm like, what but then you- wouldn't you have assumed he fucking took me? Yeah. <laughs> Which is the worse or evil? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you have to come, oh. and I think I already had a new baby at that point. That's probably why he had me out. Yes, yes. that would make total sense. But yeah, so um, it, it, it must be scary, but it has never happened to me. No, I I remember one time when we lived... Oh, Paul? Yeah. Did Paul, I lose him? Paul went missing for a couple... Well, more Damn than it. once, I'm sure, he's gone missing. But he went missing for a couple hours one time when we were living in... Pop had just died, so we were living on Garden Road with Graham. So it was right before we moved to the, the house you had built. Oh, okay. Like that. All right, back. Uh, so it was Garden Road. Oh, where yeah. was he? I don't remember. I honestly think he was being a jerk. Do you know what I mean? Hiding? Yeah, but he got himself into so much shit. There was always that wonder of like, oh my God, did somebody snap and throw him in the river? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Is he going to build himself a log a log cabin on the river and just go away? <laughs> just go away and live his own life. <laughs> that probably would have been the best case scenario. <laughs> So, for those of you who don't know, Paul is like a MacGyver. You know what I mean? Like, he, you know, I'm not even joking. He can build shit out of anything. Like, when there's people who can really survive and live off the land, like, that's my brother. My brother is one of them. It's true. Like, his creativity, though, I don't even, I mean, I know you know this story, but... I get involved in this. I, I got a house. I've been in a, in I would been in in an apartment, and my sister's husband got this house, and offered to rent it to me, and we moved in. And it wasn't the ideal house, and it had a lot of issues. And the location was the come up because yeah. we could walk to school. Exactly. My exactly. And, I. and it was a lot closer for me to get on ninety five and to head to, to and from work at night. So there were a lot of things that were perks. Anyway, the type of ceiling that it had. I don't, I've never seen it before, but this was an old effing house in May, Mayfair uh, um, in Philadelphia. So it was small little squares that felt like um, cardboard, but then they were white and they might have been embossed with something, it right? Was, yeah. And I was trying to get them to stick because some of them were like falling down. And how can you do that? Like you need to put pressure on it after you put glue on something. Right. 
right? So he comes down, I'm on a ladder and I got glue and I got this. He's like, what? And he was only in middle school. Yeah. So it might've been six like or seven. Yeah. Yeah. 10 or 11. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to get this to stick. He's like, it's never going to happen. You need something to hold it in place. I'm like, uh, I know. I know. That's my dilemma. He's like, well, get down. I'll take care of this. And I'm like, Okay, it's gonna cost Here he me, goes. Yeah, it's going to cost me a million fucking dollars and 30 trips to Home Depot. Because I know his dad. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I go about my business, and then he's like, hey, come on. I walk the fuck in. I don't know how long it took. So he had taped together two broomsticks to the from the distance of the floor uh-huh. to the ceiling. Uh-huh. The broomstick on the other end had, like, um, I think it was a sander, a sander stick. Uh-huh. So it had like that plate on it and he pushed that in and then had it just spaced enough where the pressure between the two <laughs> sticks, he literally made it a holder. Yeah. And bam, sob. Didn't cost me a penny, but it used my broomstick. That's what's so interesting to me about his personality. Oh, we've always lost many broomsticks. That's so Still, funny. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with That's him. so funny. But so interesting to me about his personality is because... He does have an annoying arrogance, and I totally get that, but he really is so much smarter than so many people in so many ways that it has to be so frustrating for him. Like, for people who aren't, you know, your typical smart, or they're not book smart, or they're not the smart, they don't speak the way you think a smart person's supposed to speak, different things like that, people get discounted. Right. And it has to be so frustrating to know that you can do things so much more efficiently than other people and you have to sit there and watch them be stupid and you know and that's been like his whole life <laughs> and yeah and the the shame of that is is that if they would have found a new way of teaching paul and allowing him to well answer, there's a lot of pauls out there so if they, they would have allowed think- him to get to take a verbal test where they asked him a Absolutely. scenario and made him answer it or show them physically the answer I believe that he would have been able to go further with his education, but they locked him into this these books and, yeah. and, and forcing and cognitively, Paul, it just didn't connect for him to be able to, to write that stuff down it's and put it all together. For everyone. You know? And it and he got lost and left behind. And what so education wise he didn't but he's he could he went on and read, you know, and, and did things on the internet. You yeah. know, and, and did well, but anyway. Well, eventually when that was available. Yeah, but, yeah. But that's what they say, you know, when a plant, you know, or a flower isn't blooming, mm-hmm. you don't blame the plant. Right. You change the environment. Right. You're like, okay, the soil isn't working for mm-hmm. you. Or, or you need more much, water. You or, need less light. Yeah. You know, you need me to talk to you more, you know, whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, and that's the truth. But for some reason, when it comes to kids and the education system, we want them all floating around the same area they need to be. Oh, it's such a strange thing to and me. You can. And so many children suffer because of it. Yeah. Whether you are, you know, gifted or whether you need a little extra help. It just so many kids don't get what they deserve and then they get thrown out into the world and the people are like, Oh, everybody's idiots, nobody wants to work and I'm like, What the fuck? Exactly. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. It, it it's just the, it's this mindset of not thinking outside the bo- box, just having blinders on yeah. and just going down to this narrow this narrow path thinking that everybody fits there and, and everybody should be the same. Yeah. And it's interesting because they don't even teach us the basic life skills anyway. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody was teaching us 
Like, home ec wasn't even a thing in high school. I had home ec that one school I went to in New Jersey for eighth grade, which I missed half the year because I got sick with mono. But we had home ec. We had sex ed. Remember, we had those babies that I had to bring home, and they would cry and cry Mm -hmm. and cry. And I would have never gotten any of that in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me because the population in Philadelphia is so much bigger. Mm -hmm. Uh, And nobody's being taught anything. But even in home ec, like, we weren't being taught, you know finance and budgeting your checkbook right. and how to properly pay your bills and, and we what is taught, what is a credit score what is a credit score what does a credit card mean you know what i mean as soon as you apply for your loans and you start college those credit card companies they start hounding you and nobody explains to kids like you have to have the money to pay that back right. and the most <laughs> important question is what is an interest rate? Right. <laughs> it's all so important. And I'm like, why are yeah. we not it's very important. teaching people these things? Yeah. I just, this is how we create messes, but this is how they keep people in their messes. Yeah. So. And this is one of the reasons why these, uh, I believe these Fed loans are being given $10,000 right. right now for people under that amount. You know what I mean? Because think- of an interest rate. I also think a lot of pressure needs to be taking off the concept of like a real job. Yeah. You know, I remember when I made the decision um, to push back college because I was serving at the Olive Garden and I was making a shit ton of money and I was having a great time with my friends. I, everyone was like, oh, but when are you going to get a real job? And I'm like, I serve, I host, I became really good in the kitchen. I like ran the takeout. You know, I was bartending outside of Olive Garden. I'm like, what the fuck's a real job? Like, I'm making real money. I'm experiencing real things. I'm interacting with real people. What the fuck is that? And, and I you don't... were good with your money. You were very yeah. good with your money. You paid all of your bills on time. I was able to buy my first car. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just... I don't understand why we try to pull people away from the things that they're pulled to. Like, I have a friend who, she's still a server, and she was made to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But if people weren't, we wouldn't have these. Like, I don't understand why we try to pull people away from the things that they enjoy doing or that they excel at, and tell them that they should be doing something real. Do you know it what is I mean? real. But like, if that's but what, what they if we didn't do, have servers, right? Then they wouldn't have servers. Are real? <laughs> they're real people. They're the, the, they're one of the most important things. Truly, without servers, like, you don't have customers. <laughs> without customers, you don't have a business. So let's just the money's not going in and out. <laughs> I just never understood that concept. Right. Like the real job and it's just not fair to take away the value of someone's job because you don't think it's important you, yeah mm-hmm. what's yeah. yeah yeah that's exactly what it is because you don't <laughs> think it's important yeah but a job <laughs> is important in every in every aspect even if it's wawa or burger king it is yeah. Every every, every person working there that's is how we very make up important. An, like an economic system, like yeah. and it's, that's how it all works. Yeah. Like one thing supports another, yeah. and we're, it's all important. And I think <laughs> one of the things that everybody discounts is the people who are cleaning the buildings are the most important. Because if cleaning is something that you're going to get dinged on by the health department, that's true. Or anything. That's what's going to shut you down. The cleaners are the most important people of most organizations, and they need to be valued more. Bam. I work for a hospital. I know it. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's okay. There's just such a weird thing in society where we do place value on people dependent upon their jobs, you know, and like people, like house cleaners and maids, people talk about them with a flippancy. They're the most important people of that. 
And it's like, that's such an important job, especially if you have someone who comes to your home and cleans, that's your prerogative, especially if you have the means, but like, you don't even want to fucking do it. So you better value the person who is doing it. And most people that I know, even the families I've worked for Mm -hmm. that have had cleaners, like they are, they do value them and they're treated very well. What if nobody wanted to be a trash man? Right. Right. What would we do? What if you had to take your own trash every week? You had to pile it in your car and you had to go and drop it off. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's true. It's true. Hello. No, I know. Every yes. it's all it's such an an interesting thing. Like when people you ask someone what they do, I'm like, why does it matter? I don't care what you do. Yeah. Especially if we're not intertwining finances. I don't give a fuck. And regardless of what you do, it, it has for me, I have no interest in the amount of money ma- you make. I want to know how you handle your money. Yeah. Because someone who handles their money well, it's not going to matter how much they if make. they're on the higher end or the lower end of the spectrum mm-hmm. they're going to know what they need to do yeah. to make sure that they always get by well so. and isn't that a, the only thing that you really want from a partner or someone that you're looking to get involved with is just can you, all you need is to take care of you you don't need to take care of me well i mean in my in my 30s yes i understand that but in my 20s i was i had boyfriends who were borrowing money off me so you know what i mean yeah. The debt that my exes are in <laughs> to me. It's, it's okay. I had a husband who was borrowing money off me. Girl, he, your husband was borrowing money off of me, too. Well, there we go. <laughs> Damn. See? Choose better. If one day... Choose better men. Yeah, for real. If one day my exes just spontaneously decided to pay me back, that what a fucking day. The Bitch vacation where? I could take. Bitch I know it. Seriously, though, that comment, choose better men. That's basically what I have seen people say when women discuss being in an abusive relationship. Why can't men just be better? Hello? (laughs) Why men great till they gotta be great? (laughs) True. The people want to know. You know what I was thinking about the other day? Actually, I probably wasn't thinking about it on my own. I probably saw it on a reality TV show or something. But have you ever been out to eat with someone, like, been out to eat with a group of people, and then you're, like, minding what you're ordering, but everybody else isn't, and then they want to split it, divide it by how many people are there? Have I ever? Or if you're out with, like, if you're the single person, and you're out with couples, and they do that, but the couples are paying the same amount that you're paying for something. Have I ever? Have yeah, you? I, 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 I'm one of, of six in a family. Yeah. And us girls always went out. And I, I believe I, I definitely have spoke my mind at times with my, my siblings and being out with, with, you know, a group. Um, but I've always been single and I've always been a single mother, you know, and I've always had a single income. And it was, it was sometimes hard for me. And I don't drink when I eat. Right. Yeah. So there were times when I didn't say anything because I felt cheap. You know what I mean? I felt like I was going to sound cheap. And then there were times where I did say something and then I felt cheap. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it <laughs> wasn't like about, yeah, yeah. And I didn't mean to do that at all. I was just trying to set some boundaries and saying yeah. that I don't drink. I'm actually trying to work on a healthy lifestyle. I had a $10 fucking salad <laughs> and a glass of water with lemon and no ice. You know what I mean? And I'm paying Thirty fucking dollars. I know. You know what I mean, and I don't mean to sound uh, rude or anything. It's I just don't that think it's rude. Money has always been tight for me, being in the situation I was being in. And your brother had a lot of legal bills. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the no truth. shade. 
No, 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 no shame. I mean, I mean, I know it is. I, I no, I'm you know, it. I went and took care of things that I probably shouldn't have, but right. I did as a mother. That's the decision I made. Um, but I surely didn't want to be paying for alcohol that I didn't drink. The alcohol is a big one. I think it's one thing, you know, splitting the meals. I think you should still be fair, you know. Yeah. And if you're that person yeah. who only orders the lobster when you're in a group because right. you know it's being split, like you're right. kind of a jerk. But I right. do think when there's alcohol involved, you should do a separate bill because not everyone drinks and people who do drink they don't all drink at the same capacity and if you're having three martinis that's way different than me having three miller lights it is it is so i do and as a person who's not a big drinker i was never really good at throwing up 40 bucks on the bar when i know i'm gonna have two michelob lights yeah you know what i mean if if i even got to two yeah you know what i mean i don't mind i'm gonna get my beer i'm gonna give them a, a, a nice tip and I'm going to go on my way. <laughs> we used to, I remember my group of girlfriends when I was in my early 20s, sometimes when we would go mm. out to the bar and everyone would throw into the kitty. And I'm like, at some point, I'm like, we have to specify what's coming out of this kitty. Because again, if you're ordering Red Bulls and Bacchus and we're drinking Dollar Drifts, you know, right. things and, aren't balancing out. So right. you're and spending that, $5 a drink. We're spending a dollar a drink. The money's dwindling away. And that bartender needs a good tip absolutely <laughs> so yeah it, yeah it, it, i agree you don't get to drink four people out of a kitty and only tip 10 bucks that's not the way it works exactly. you need to tip for four people right you know mm-hmm. and i mean but i was a server so that's and i was a bartender so that's the way i think about it i come from a family of bartenders and servers but not so. everybody thinks mm-hmm. that way but exactly. money money is such a weird thing and because i've been you know single more than even when i was in relationships they weren't involved in fucking going to events with me which is the same thing but like baby showers and fucking bridal showers Mm. and that shit gets so expensive and then your friends have kids and they have birthdays and it's like i love all of you but at some point it gets to be too much and those are the times you know where you're chipping into things and you're like wait i'm single you guys are a couple why are we but why are you guys only putting up 50 bucks and i'm putting up a whole 50 bucks right like it doesn't always balance out but it's also one of those weird fucking things to talk about it is you know you feel like such a dick if you're like i don't want to spend 50 dollars on your baby shower right you know Mm -hmm. but then especially for single people whether you're choosing to have children and get married or not there is that little bit of thought like i'm never going to get any of this back right you know like if i don't decide to have a baby and even if i do the amount of baby showers and money that i have spent a lot of those people aren't in my life anymore right. so <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting thing but sometimes when you talk about it you do sound, so feel as petty a and young cheap. mother i was <laughs> i mean i have a sister who didn't have any kids when when the other three of us did and and a sister-in-law who did. So I know that she went through a lot of years of being in the exact same situation that you're in and probably, you know, at some time of it being, you know, on a single income, you know, going through her own little things. But I I remember her having some of the same concerns that you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, gift giving is already weird. Yeah. It's already such an awkward thing. You don't know what the Mm -hmm. expectation is. You don't, and you also don't want to set a precedent of mm-hmm. like, this is how much I'm going to spend mm-hmm. every time. It's, I yeah. don't like it. Agreed. I think that's something I would consider too in my next relationship up front is being like, okay, what are your gift expectations? Do we do birthdays? Do we do Christmas? Are we card people? Like, just write me some. Because that's how, that's how I, like learning somebody's love language could save you so much money. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, <laughs> that is important. Because for some people, just a handwritten card or like, you did such a great job. I'm so proud of you. Or getting their favorite candy. Just a little surprise can yeah. go so much further than buying somebody something extravagant or expensive. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I think if, if or when I start dating again, that's something that I'll, I'll, I'll actually learn my love language at this time because I'm sure stuff it changes. Change. Yeah. yeah before I seek out, you know, can I really give anybody? Do I have anything? Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So good. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, you got to figure out how to communicate. True that. And some people communicate through giving gifts. Right. But if you don't see that as an act of love, that's right. not going to mean shit to you you know and maybe someone doesn't know that an act of love for me could be randomly sending me a food order to my door that is an act of be like someone's like and i open it and someone's like hey yo so and so sent you a pizza and i'm like (laughs) yum i love him for that that is an act of love for sure (laughs) no sauce right white pizza i'm in Girl. Just so you know, that's what I like. That's that's the kind of pizza. If I anyone like. ever wants to send a pizza as an act of love, <laughs> you know what Marie is into. <laughs> no, I'm not saying cheesecake isn't also. Oh, that's okay. showing there's even other more options. Love. Yeah, yeah. Pizza's like, hey, what's up? We're hanging out. We're cool. Cheesesteak, cheesecake. <laughs> it's like, hey, girl. <laughs> oh, cheesecake's a sexy mm, for you. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> Preparing. Yeah. I got you. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> well, as usual, thank you so much for listening. We apologize for the late episode, but we are who we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is what it is. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.